0: You are listening to The Wealth Without Bay Street Podcast, a Canadian guide to building dependable wealth. Join your hosts, Richard Canfield and Jason Lowe, as they unlock the secrets to creating financial peace of mind in an uncertain world. Discover the strategies and mindsets to a financial future that you can bank on. What exactly is Tier 1 Capital? and how can you be using it well today we are actually joined by tim uric the founder and ceo of tier one capital that's a company which is a leading national financial consulting firm tim's got well over 35 years of knocking it out of the park in this business and we are excited to have him as an authorized infinite banking practitioner one of our good friends and colleagues who had the distinct privilege of spending a great deal of time with the uh, the wonderful r nelson nash And we always love to have a conversation with Tim because he uh, he pulls out some great stories about his memories and times with Nelson. So Tim, thanks for
1: joining us today on the podcast. We're excited to have you. Yeah, again, it's my pleasure, and I'm grateful to be spending this time with you guys, Tim. You know,
2: you uh, of of a select few have spent you know the most time with, with Nelson, and your journey goes way back. And so we'd love for you to. You know, maybe share how you caught the message and what inspired you to embrace it and uh, what your journey was like spending all that time with Nelson.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I've thought about that a lot over the, <clears throat> excuse me, the past three years now that Nelson has gone and, you know, he had this, this message to deliver and I, as a financial advisor or a financial professional, came across it and I was struggling to grasp it. So one day, and and I think this is similar to stories that of, of other of our colleagues have had, you're trying to figure this out, you're trying to figure this this out. And then all of a sudden you say, you know what? I'm gonna pick up the phone. And you pick up the phone and lo and behold, Hello, it's Nelson Nash. That's me. You know, and, and then the, the conversation starts and I, you know, y- you're sort of amazed that the guy that wrote, well, this was before the book. So the guy that created this, this concept is actually going to answer his own phone, you know? <laughs> But as, as we have gotten to know Nelson, that was the kind of person that he was. He was a very man of, of, of simple means yep. and, but powerful, powerful results. And so I, I called him and was struggling with some questions. And finally I said, well, listen, what would, what would you charge to come up to Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania from Birmingham to, you know, so I could spend some time with you. And he said, well, you know, I usually put on a seminar for clients. I have a 10 hour seminar. Why don't you invite some clients and we could, you know, do, do this seminar. And, you know, you and I could have a and A and then we'll have some time in between and we can spend and we'll go from there. And so July of 1997, I invited Nelson up to wilkes Pennsylvania. And he and his lovely wife, Mary, came up and we, you know, he and Mary and my wife and myself, we went out for dinner and uh, of course he did the seminar and the rest, as they say, is history. He had, and, and it's it's ironic because right now I'm in the process of moving my office. We're We're moving to a different location and I've got dozens of boxes of, you know, files and books and et cetera, et cetera. And in the process, I cleaned out my original Infinite Banking file, which were pre-printed handouts. Very well done, I, I might add. But they were the precursor to chapters of Nelson's book. Oh my god. Remember, goodness. this was 1997. His book, I don't believe he, he published it until, was it 2000 or 2001? 2000. Yep, 2000. I believe it, it was 2000, I think it was 2000. Yeah. So we, we got, you know, he came up and we just developed a friendship. And as time went by, I started having him up regularly. He came up to Wilkes-Barre and we would usually have him come up in like April. And October and he loved October because of the fall foliage and think, well, it was definitely a compliment, but he, he always commented that the change of weather and the, you know, the, the changing of the, the leaves on the tree was more spectacular, as he said, in Pennsylvania than it was in New England. And I always, I always took that as a compliment, <laughs> but uh, he did he did love the trees. Sure did. Oh yeah, absolutely. So like I said, I'd have him up twice a year and it was, it was really, it was, I mean, he, he, he got to be very good friends with a lot of my clients. And one guy was in today and we were talking and he was at one of the original Nelson seminars. And you know, he was saying like, what a neat man he was. And, and obviously we are spoiled because we got to spend more time with him than. You know the average person but what an impact that man had on my life and hundreds and hundreds and I, I would venture to say it's going to be thousands of people when you look at you know me dealing with my clients and then them, them dealing with their children and teaching the principles that nelson taught me and it's 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 just a great it's a great privilege that that i have that i was chosen to 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 be able to deliver this message Amen to that. Amen to that. And
2: we, gosh, yeah, we'd love to see some of those handouts. That, boy, you've got to, you You have, you can create, you can curate a museum of Nelson artifacts, you know, in that sense. Because, uh, oh, wow, you know, every time we talk to you, something something new comes up out of your archives of, you know, your time with him. That's amazing.
1: You know, it's it's funny. Part of that is because I don't throw anything away, and I get a lot of flack from my daughter who works with me. That you know that that I don't throw anything away, and you know she would come to me this especially this week because we're we're going to go out of town for a week. So on top of the move, we're we're going on vacation. Long story short, she's standing in front of me with you know this file and that file and this piece of paper and that piece of paper, and after about ten minutes, I have. Well, I, I call it decision fatigue and I just can't, I can't deal with it anymore. So I I'll end up just saying, okay, you know, let's take a break for about a couple hours and then we'll, we'll come back to it. But part of the issue is that I, I I save everything and I I still have my original notes from Nelson and you know, from the seminar and I I usually take copious notes and man, I'll tell you that stuff is gold. It really is. It sure is. And Go ahead, Rich. What, what's interesting? I'm
0: curious. You know, you as you're again the office move. It brings these things up as it as it happens with any move. You you find these things you haven't seen in a while, and uh, I'm I'm curious when you think back to these original notes from you know 1997 when you had one of this these first seminar sessions with him, and then you reflect on where you're at today and what you know and what's what's changed in the industry, things like policy design, what have you, and, and mindset technology adjustments, changes, YouTube, like we're going to be on here with this, this show what's shifted and what's different in the, in the notes you took the, the aha moments of 1997, Tim to 2022, Tim.
1: Well, so, so certainly I, I'm more, I'm more grounded in the fundamentals of his teachings but i would also say i dare to say that there's not a time that i have read his book and, and i i usually read his book now like once every three or four months i'll take a slow read through through his his book and i don't ever come away not learning something new and i remember one of the last seminars that I had Nelson deliver to my clients up here in Wilkesbury, and at, at one of the breaks on the second day, I said, "You know, Nelson, it was close to twenty years at that point that uh, that I had been associated with him," and I said, "You know, Nelson, your seminar has not changed one word," and he said. Well, when you have the truth, you don't need to remember what you said. And so profound, yeah. you know, when you, when you think of that, how profound that is. And and, and again, that gets you thinking, right? You know, and, and, and look, I think one of the biggest aha moments for me always is how simple this is. You we were just talking about- It's complicated us. because We try to make it complicated and our industry makes it complicated. But as Nelson said, this is incredibly simple. It's just different. And that's why there's the difficulty that people have in either grasping it or implementing it or both. And I I think that's like the biggest aha is we have to sort of, it's so hard to unclutter the minds of our clients who are filled with so much noise that, you know, usually stands in the way of them getting the results that they want. That is so true. So true.
2: And we, we were uh, interviewing Justin Kraft earlier, and I had addressed the very same thing. And it's so interesting that as colleagues, as we all know each other, and we've been on this journey some for, for years longer than, than we have, there's just been this shift with practically everyone who's seasoned, that it's a back to basics. It's a back to simplicity. It's just receiving that inspiration because Nelson said it all the time. This is becoming your own banker is ridiculously simple. And once you really truly understand the problem, the solution becomes clear, you'll know exactly what to do. And if you can grasp the grocery store example in his book, he said the rest of becoming your own maker is a piece of cake. Sure. But we try to complicate Yeah, it. there's so much truth to that. And you can
0: and, even uh, buy your cake at a grocery store and then you can pay yourself back so, for it. You, you know, the, the same grocery store that you own, you can buy your cake there and then you can just pay yourself back for the cake. So you can have your cake and eat it too, kind of? No.
1: Just- yeah, Yeah, <laughs> imagine that. Imagine that. You know, he—I uh, I, remember—and—and—and and, and I'm sure you've had the same experience, where a client in a seminar would sort of get bogged down by the numbers, and you know, Nelson would would sort of in in in, a, in the only in the nicest way that he can do it, he would chastise them, look down his glasses at them or look over the top of his glasses at them and say, you're getting hung up on the numbers. This is ridiculously simple. It's about who controls the banking function in your life. And, you know, we, my daughter and I have a saying, whoever controls your cash flow controls your life. And we let all of these entities into our checking account regularly freely and once we stop that once we stop the flow of that financial energy away from us and start to redirect it back to us life changes like that i mean your financial situation changes in ways that you can't even grasp and it's it's literally immediate and People don't get that they they don't get that, and you only you only figure it out once you implement this system. That's right.
2: It's like trying to describe t- to someone who is who has either not yet you know started a family, to someone who's maybe expecting, so you have a couple they're pregnant, they're expecting. And and you've got four kids, and you say, "My goodness, your life is going to change in an instant when baby arrives." Right. And and they hear that from everyone who have kids, but they they don't grasp it until that moment. And then when you come back to them, and they say, "Oh my goodness, you,
1: you're exactly. so right," and things, everything and changed. Ch- y- and you know, Jason, I I learned from a young client of mine. You know, I, I say young, he's he's now in his in his early thirties. And he was trying to tell a mutual friend of ours, a a contemporary of his, who was in his early thirties, my client had two kids at this point and his friend, our mutual friend was expecting his first. And my friend said to, to him, he said, Hey, well, what changes? And my client said everything, but it's all good. Like it's, you know. So, and it, and it's the same thing here with IBC, right? Yeah. What changes everything, but it's all for the good. It's all for your betterment. And uh, so I've, I've used that, that analogy several times over the years. And anyway. But I think it's
0: interesting something that you said earlier as you're, you know, you're reading Nelson's book slowly and methodically, you know, roughly every quarter, give or take and always coming away with something new. Now, we we very much sound like a broken record, echoing that in our podcast. And, and everyone that's been a listener knows that we, we say the same thing. The reason we say it and we say it re- repetitiously is because here a gentleman for almost 25 years has been reading this book. And he's still coming away through repetitious reading with the same result. That is a cl- success leaves clues and that is a clear clue So as a listener recognize when we say you need to reread the book, we're not joking, (laughs) and and if you reread it the second time and the third time, we, you won't have to have us tell you anymore because you're naturally going to want to keep reading it anyway, you will be inspired enough to do so because you'll recognize what starts
2: showing up in your life. So true. And what, what would you say, Tim, on your journey? What has been, if you're, again, to reflect back to where you began, to where you are now, what has changed in the way of, of your, you know, when Nelson would say, the more you see infinite banking concepts, the more you'll see you didn't see. So how how has that evolved for you and, and your, your clients over time?
1: Well, you know, I've always felt this and And that is such a great question, Jason, but I've always felt that my clients will teach me more about infinite banking than I could teach them. And they are very either, they're very creative, either out of necessity or out of design there in how they use it. And I have one guy who is just a fanatic about keeping track of things to the penny dollars in dollars out. And he, he, he carries his IBC notebook and it has all of it's, it's, it's like an accounting book of all his money that goes in his segregated account and all the money that comes up, excuse me. And uh, you know, and, and so that, so what has changed is, is really I mean, you know, certainly technology has changed, right? It's changed everybody. But, you know, when, when when I balance my infinite banking system, I get one bank statement with my segregated account, and I know what monies came in from policy loans and what monies went back into that account and then ultimately back to my policies. So I look at that. I could reckon. I can reconcile it. I mean, so I'm, I'm sure you guys are doing it as well. But what does it take? Three minutes? If, if that. I mean. Yep. So so this to Nelson's point, this is ridiculously simple. Yes, it is. It really is ridiculously simple, and it, you know, it's it's funny. We try to get hung up on the numbers. And, and, and that's, that's the, again, you know, I, I said it a few minutes ago, but, you know, Nelson would look over his glasses at you, like you're getting hung up on the numbers. And, and it it was so true because this is not about numbers. The numbers will come, but the freedom you get by cutting, you know, the snakes and dragons out of your financial life is so much more rewarding.
0: All day long. I've. I've had people say that, you know, they've first time reading the book or what have you. And, you know, even reflecting back to people attending, like clients attending a live Nelson seminar. And of course, when he's going through components of the book that are some illustrations, as an example, equipment financing is always one that people get stumped on be just because you are flipping back and forth through the book, right? So there's, there's additional confusion to make sure that you're on the right page while Nelson's up there talking and people. Would come away and they would say, Well, I, you know, I didn't necessarily follow all that, but I also didn't really feel like I needed to because, like, intuitively, I just know that it, that it's right. Like, I just know it makes sense. And there's some kind of a, like, a gut feeling that shows up as you're going through the content of the book. And I myself experienced this the very first time. I just knew, I knew that this was what I had been looking for. And I had this, this un, shakeable feeling of this is where I've been, I've been waiting for this book to show up in my life. And, and it's like, Nelson would say the truth is truth. And so it's like, it's, you're just being exposed to it now through a lens that you couldn't, you weren't looking through before it's kind of like, you know, they have those like decoder glasses, right. You know, there's like an extra color that flips down and then you can see things that were on the same page that you couldn't see before sort of thing. And Nelson's book is
1: like a decoder right. for your financial life. So- oh my God. That is such a great analogy because that's what it is. That's, that's literally what it is. And, you know, I, I, as a kid, right, we, I, I grew up in a very, I, I didn't realize how poor we were. We were really poor, but I didn't realize that, you know, cause we basically had everything, you know, everybody from our neighborhood was pretty much in the same boat probably middle class to lower middle class. And we just thought that's the way people were, right? And I didn't realize how poor we were until I went to college and and, and uh, I saw kids with money, but th- that neither here nor there. We lived as, growing up, we lived pay to pay. You know, my, my parents could not go week, you know, one week with, with a surplus. It was just... You know, raising three kids on, you know, back then maybe $18,000 a year, you know, we're talking about in the seventies, even though that was a fair amount of money back then, it wasn't a lot. And you know, it wasn't until like I was when I met Nelson, but up to that point, I was living pay to pay in the financial services and I, I was single. I had no kids. I was making probably five or six times what my dad used to make. And I was living pay to pay because I was following the advice of the quote unquote financial geniuses. And I woke up one day, actually my mom, we were sitting around talking about the good old days. I had one Christmas and my mom said to me, well, we were talking about the time where my we were waiting for my dad's pay and uh, our car wouldn't start once we got my dad's pay. And uh, I remember saying to my mom, like, what were we doing there? And she said, waiting for daddy's pay. And I said, why did you wait the next day? And I'll never forget, like, she shot me a look like, hey, I had bills to pay. They were going to shut off the electricity. They were going to shut off the water. I We couldn't wait another day. And that's when it hit me that, oh my God, I'm living pay to pay. Now I'm, a, I'm in financial services. I'm following the advice of the experts and I am broke. I literally, several times I had to borrow money from my dad to pay my mortgage because I didn't have the money and I'm making so much more than him. And it, it dawned on me at that point, the financial system, you know, the 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 financial geniuses try to make it sound like it's your fault because you don't make enough money. That's why you, you can't get ahead. But it's really their fault because we're following their advice. They're getting wealthy on our money. And we're we're helping them just by participating. Plistic. And that's when, to your point, Richard. When I got Nelson's message, it was like, this is exactly what I'm looking for. This is exactly what I need to fix the problem. And it was, and it is. And he often
2: said, you don't have to play their game. Right. You don't have to play their game and you don't have to be rich to get into the banking business.
1: Well, and, and that's true, Jason, right? And that's why he used the all-American family. Yeah, right. What was a guy making twenty-seven thousand dollars a year? Twenty-eight dollars Twenty-eight-five. 20 and and it was so profound. Right. He was. He was. He did that for a reason. He wanted to prove to people you don't have to be rich to change your the, your you know your financial future yeah. and the direction that you're headed. You just got to, like you said, stop playing their game.
0: He's paying the same amount of money into a financial pool one way or another to have access to that vehicle he's driving. The difference is he's paying a toll to get access to the same amount of money. He's got to go through the gatekeeper and the toll taker, you know, the guy, at, you know, for credit and GMAC finance in order to get access to the money, he's making the same equivalent amount of payments, but it's not being appropriately directed to his financial benefit. And that's, right. you know isolated
2: in the money pool examples of Nelson's book. Very true. And Tim, what would you, what would you say to, you know, because we have a lot of advisors that tune in to our podcast, they consume our content on YouTube and, you know, maybe they're either first being exposed to the process and they want to receive inspiration to share this with their clients. What what advice would you extend to, those folks who might be watching or tuning in?
1: Well, you know, you, sh- you, have to have, you have to be curious. And you have to have a natural curiosity, which I know I have. And it's probably led me down some rabbit holes I didn't want, I didn't need to go down. But at the same time, it's also led me to some very valuable information. And I think you also have to have an open mind. Cause if you think that, you know, everything, then you're not going to get anything from this or anything, you know, any, any concept or any program. So that that's the first thing, but you know, the fact that they've been led to your, your podcast or your YouTube video indicates that they have that natural curiosity. And then I would just say, follow your, follow your instincts from there. It's very good advice. Very good advice.
2: And because the, you know, we, we were just talking about this earlier as well, is that the, if you were, if you were to gather, you know, a bunch of life license advisors, financial planners, people who are just generally being exposed to this, to this concept. And as Nelson would talk about, he said, you know, if you, if you get people around the water cooler talking about anything financial, It's not very long before the conversation gravitates toward rates. And within the advisor community, it gravitates toward product and company and who can design the best policy and all of that stuff that Nelson would just say, stop majoring in the minors. You're missing the point entirely. Becoming your own banker has absolutely nothing to do with life insurance. Right. Nothing. (laughs) And he would just... You would just drill that into people's brains and most people just weren't, they they didn't get it. Well, what are you talking about? Of course. So we, yeah, you need a policy, right. To, to build your warehouse of wealth, but we're talking about a process. And so to try to get an advisor's mindset shifted because they think, listen, I got to be the expert on the product in order to be effective in the marketplace versus I need to be, very effective at helping people understand the problem so that when we, when we describe the solution, it actually matters to them. It it matters. And, and kids pick up on this so much faster than adults. We we do an annual family banking meeting. And would, would you believe it, Tim? None of my kids, none of my nephews, none of my nieces have ever approached me and asked me a product question. It's, (laughs) All their questions are processed. That is so awesome. That means you're doing your job too. But the kids get it because they haven't had their heads. That's amazing. Put you know, there's no landfill of noise. There's no landfill there. Whereas, and and the reason we're saying this is because if, you, if you're an advisor and you're tuning into this, firstly, thank you for tuning in. Secondly, you're here for a reason. And if you're if your mind is taking you to complexity and taking you to the product and taking you to all of that stuff, we've been there too. (laughs) And when you change course and you actually begin to focus on what really matters and you can achieve the outcome that Tim described, creating what Nelson would say is a very peaceful, stress-free way of life financially, the last thing that's going to come up in your interactions with clients is going to be product. It's going to be process. And all the outcomes that they're achieving,
1: plain I mean, and simple. Oh, I, I've always felt, and and it's so it's so true. And and I'm sure Jason and Richard, you you've experienced this yourselves. But the best part of what we do is when the client says, "Okay, what do we need to do to move forward?" And then once you get the policy set up. The next question they ask is, who do I write the check to? And when you get that, then you realize that you've communicated this process properly. Because all the other stuff doesn't matter. And that to me is is the, the biggest compliment I could get from a client is when they say, who do I write the check to? Love it.
0: Well, one of the beautiful things about N- Nelson's book and all the, the training and things, of course, that he did is, is in that thinking process. And Nelson spent a lot of time in his, in his course and it, he, he touches on it in the book, but in the course, he would expand more on the importance of classification. And that if you, people will understand what's going on if you classify things correctly. And he talked about things that weren't classified correctly. And then he would tell a story about, you know, take an apple. And if you cut an apple not from the top you know top to the bottom but across the middle and the, around the equator and you peel it apart and you look at it you'll see a five-pointed star and you said why wow, that's interesting why is that important you know and also say well the reason is that an apple is in the rose family and if you understand classification anything with a five-pointed you know star in that is a part of the rose family and it's it would go into this forestry explanation you know it's like there was no less than seven courses about classifying every semester in my, you know, forestry, you know, school. And he right. says, the reason that people have a mental blockage in, in their brain around, first of all, they hear the word insurance and because of some conversation or past exposure, or maybe they didn't get a payout on a car, car insurance claim or something they have. So the word insurance has some kind of baggage attached to it. That's the industry it's created. The industry itself has created that that issue and so people put up a mental barrier because of misclassification they shouldn't have called dividend paying whole life insurance whole life insurance they should have called it a personal monetary system with a death benefit thrown on the side for good measure but that's a really long name would have to come up with some kind of an acronym you know nelson would say and if we would have just classified things based on their major characteristics every single person on planet earth would be doing this if you know oh Oh, I just wanted one of those personal monetary systems that the insurance the the mutual life insurance companies got on the shelf
1: over there. Let's get one of those. <laughs> yeah? how he described it that That's a great point. and And keep this in mind, and and this is something when people come to me and they say, "You know, I'm too old for this," or i'm you know, I wish i'd I'd known this whatever so many years ago." Keep this in mind. You realize when Nelson figured this out, when he had the aha moment, there was no such thing as paid-up editions writers. So he was, he knew in 1981 or in 82 when he figured this out, because he had received a policy statement on the policy his brother had sold him in 1958 that had a 300, and, I, I forget what it was, $389? 388, yep, 388, 388. 20. So it was, it was a $388 premium. His cash value grew that year by 1200 or $1,600. And he knew that if he paid a, a dollar, he got three or four dollars, and he just said to himself, "My gosh, there's the answer. I've got to get my premiums equal to my mortgage. And then, if this problem happens again, where interest rates rise, I got my I've got my mortgage covered." And so at that point. He started buying annual pay life insurance, no PUA rider. Now that proves one big point. This, you have to think long-term. Yep. If it, right. Only a Forester would fi- would have thought that far in advance. And, and that to me, like one of the things I, I share with my clients right from the get go, that. This is the long game if you're not in this for the long game i cannot help you yeah yeah people look
2: for instant gratification because that's the that's the framework of our society now instant coffee instant food amazon prime's gonna have 38 billion drones flying over your head every day dropping packages on your face and like people want things instantly and that's not Nelson shared very clearly, like you need to think three generations past your own because they're all going to need the use of money. Yep. And so it's not just about understanding the process. It's being able to, you know, build something that's worth transferring to the next generation, which is fundamentally the knowledge of the process. The money will be there. The death benefits will show up. Those windfalls will show up. And so you've got to be able to teach and, and transfer the knowledge. To the next generation so that they know how to carry on with the process how to replant all the trees exactly you know to to rebuild the forest speaking of that long game you know
0: uh, an analogy that comes up for me is you know we got instant noodles so you can have instant noodles in two minutes and you know we've all i'm sure we've all had those but you know a really you know a lot of people who I, i like a good barbecue and you know, people get it into this like smoked meat, and they 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 like smoke a brisket and whatever, and a they, they get into this whole thing, and twelve hours, twenty four hours go by, and you've got this you know delicious, delectable you know piece of meat and sandwich, whatever you're going to have it in. but you had to you had to go to the store to get it, you had to prep everything, you had to, you know all the all the pre-work that went into before you even stuck it into the the smoker to go and create that outcome. And, you know, although the time frame is a smaller timeframe, if you think about a two minute noodles versus a, you know, 36 hour s- smoked meat meal that you're having, gathering all your family around to be a part right. of the experience, because that's an experience. That's the difference between, you know, instant noodle financial products. And then like this long-term thinking, everyone's involved, we're going to have the family around to be a part of it and experience and joy together, you know, in, in community a method of financial thinking that Nelson kind of brought to the table. And I, I just, I really think that that long range thinking is so important. One of the things you talked about, you know, that, that 1982, you know, epiphanous moment that Nelson had through a lot of, you know, prayer, being in a really horrendous financial condition, people talk about being in a horrendous financial condition. Nelson Nelson's back was up against the wall. He was, he. You know, if if we if we really recognize the difference in you know the inflationary dollars we're talking about, he had he ended up with eight hundred thousand dollars of debt at like twenty three and a half percent interest in nineteen eighty two. That's an astronomical amount of of capital and and pressure on your back. And so, knowing that he didn't have paid up editions riders like you say, he recognized he still needed to make that intentional decision to to prioritize the premium, prioritize premium for something else. It took Nelson 13 years, 13 years to get rid of the snakes and dragons, to fire his bankers, to take all that debt, that outer world third-party debt, bring it back into his own sphere of control. And that was with policy design that we don't even have, to, you know, that, that he didn't have the potential of doing what we can do today. And so he was able to still do it in that short period of time. Like, what does that tell us about how, you know? People, people talking about the importance of a base premium. Well, Nelson clearly indicated that through his own life experience, he recognized the power in that, in that base policy, just that alone. Yeah, we can, we can put some little bit of speed on there. We could, we can jazz it up a little bit, but it's that core foundational piece of this personal monetary system contract. That's really the driving
1: feature here. And, and Nelson's own experience is part of that story. You no, know, that's such a great point, Richard, because, you know, we, there are a lot. Infinite banking is not about the paid up ads, right? That's right. It is the efficiency of that base policy and the base policy after like the fifth or sixth year blows away the, the POA writer and people don't. You know, again, going back to, because we're so preconditioned to instant gratification, you know, we've got to see a a 70% or an 80% or a 90% cash value back in year one, or it doesn't make sense. And, you know, just like Nelson would say in, in his seminar, you know, after most people look at life insurance, they look at the first or second year, and they say, well, this is a terrible investment. And then what does he say? They couldn't be further from the truth Yep, because again, he was a he was in there in this for the long, long game, right? He was a forester. He was thinking 70 years in advance And, and, and there, and there's so much power to that and, and, and I guess you have to have that, the, you know, that the patience of a forester to really, you know, implement this or, or, or to follow it through so true remembering the
2: the truth like you're you're going to need the use of money for the rest of your lifetime and so is the next generation and so is the generation after that and so on right and someone must perform the function of banking what's going on in the world yep and it's that should be you it should be held at the you and me level that's where it should be controlled and when you work with clients, I mean, Tim, you've had clients now who've been in process for a, f- a few decades. Yep. And you know our our clients, the most seasoned, would be, you know, approaching twelve, maybe twelve, oh, thirteen years, ten years. years tops, you know, with some backdating if we factor in backdating a contract. <laughs> so, and and we, there's never a bad review when you're meeting with someone to to say, look. Your system is going to continue growing no matter what you do. If you just let the insurance company take care of administering your policies, they're going to continue rising every day, no matter what. But it is your behavior that's far more important than the behavior of the insurance company. If you truly understand how to take control of this function and you can create a far better outcome than what the insurance company could have done, just administering it all on their own. Right. And it's, it's a, it's not, we were, we were just talking about this not too long ago. You get that question at some point where someone says, well, how soon can I stop paying the premium? Well, if you develop the ability to rethink your thinking, you're
1: going to ask how long could I pay it for? Right. (laughs) If you truly understand. Exactly. And so, so think of it. I just had a review with a client and they, they've been on board for probably 13 years. And they're at a point now where for every dollar they pay the insurance company into their policy, they're getting back like $2 and 25 cents. And when they get to, and they're in their mid forties, when they get to their mid fifties, it'll be about close to $4 for every dollar they put in. And when they get to 65, it'll be about $6 for every dollar they put in.
0: Sounds like a good inflation hedge to me.
1: That's exactly what I said to them. And I said, what's the best way to, to beat inflation? They're like, well, I don't know. I said, well, how about getting $1 to do several jobs, but $1 to perform like four or five. Yeah. And, and what's the rate of return on getting $1 to do two jobs? It's infinite. Right. And and when you think about that, all that other stuff doesn't matter. And, and see, here's the thing. What people don't realize is, you know, you start with money here and then the end game is to get, you know, to retirement. But with infinite banking, you get to control this money in between. And that's, and what do you have going on there? You have houses and you have vacations and you have college and you have, you know, for your children and and you have maybe cars and this, you know, business investment. And you know what Nelson would always say? The most frustrating thing in life is to not have access to money when an opportunity comes your way. And then what else does he say? When you have money, opportunities will find you. Yep, and that is true. I I can't even explain to you how true that is.
0: Well, I'm curious the story of this you know client thirteen years in, and I'm sure you have clients for you know longer time frames than that. And I'd venture to guess, Tim, you've also had you know the the unfortunate experience of having to show up and deliver a check for, for a claim. My curiosity is, you know, for our listeners, maybe when you think about clients that have been with you a long time, how have you started to see intergenerational stuff happen as far as conversation, you know, parents bringing their kids in to, to, to get going. And maybe you're even looking at some third generation grandkid stuff. Can you maybe just speak to that for a moment?
1: Yeah. So you, you know, where, you know, where we see a lot of this, Richard is where when we'll set up a plan for a husband and wife and they have children who are going to college and they're really not prepared for this so we find some inefficiencies in their cash flow set up a policy and then we borrow against the policy to pay for college and we get that squared away and, and I, I had I had one guy and he was all on board but he just didn't. He wasn't prepared to to move forward, and 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 you could just sense that there was something. And I and I said to him, "This all makes sense. What's what's holding you back?" Mm-hmm. And he said, "You know, I've been doing things the other way for so long. It just feels right." But he said, "My biggest concern is that." You're just trying to sell me this policy and you're not going to be here with me. And I've got four kids to educate and that's 32 semesters. I've got to pay tuition. And he said, what if you're not here for that? Like, what if I can't count on you? And I, I said, all I could tell you is I'm going to be here. And so sure enough, we were, and. His youngest is a junior in college right now. And the great thing is that his two oldest, as soon as they graduated college and they got their first job, the first thing he did was he set up an appointment for them to meet with me. And that to me is the biggest honor. Listen, I, you know. We've all dealt with big cases and, and and they're exciting, right? But I, you, you have to understand this is so powerful and so life-changing that when you get a, a parent to recommend that their kid comes and starts with a hundred dollars a month policy, I, I, I can't describe to you how rewarding that is. Amen to that. Absolutely.
0: Tim, this was awesome. Thank you for being with us today, my friend. That was awesome. And we do appreciate it. And uh, you know, we're, we'll to take us into the the finish line. I'd like to just ask you one final question, Tim. And you know, I know that you you've been, you know, your experience you share with us today, your time with Nelson and uh, carrying that forth, that, that torch forward, the amount of people you've helped over your career. That gentleman, you just told a story about, you may not know it, But because you were there and you followed through the way he asked you to, you showed up as a a hero for that individual. And so you may not think of yourself as a superhero, but when you do the things you're doing today and sharing your story like this, you are being a hero for others. So who would
1: you most like to be a hero to? Well, you know, obviously my kids and, you know, my wife, obviously as well. And um, all of my clients, right, because they've, They've given back to me and, and I, I, I think, you know, showing up for them is, is the right thing to do. And yeah, and anybody who's struggling to figure this out, right. I mean, hopefully maybe some of the things that I said today will hopefully click for them and, and give them the impetus to move forward. Because, you know, like, like Nelson used to say, the longer you wait, the longer you're punishing, you." you know, the longer you punish yourself.
2: Love it. Tim, we appreciate you so much and uh, we will have you back if,
1: if you're okay with that. And Oh my God. Yeah. First of all, this is such an honor. You guys are, I mean, you guys are really doing it and, and, and you're doing it the right way and it's so great to see, to see you, you know, Jason, I remember when you first became part of our masterminds group and, uh, you know, probably didn't know what you didn't know back then, but it's just so great to see the, you know, the, the confidence that you've gotten and, and, and how good you've gotten at delivering this message. It's, it's not about policies. It's not about money. It's about delivering the message. And when you understand that, you understand what a, what a tremendous, uh, privilege and responsibility this is. And uh, I know watching both of you going forward, that the ability to have this message delivered is in good hands. So uh, I'm, I'm so grateful to be here.
2: Thanks. Uh, Tim. Thanks, Tim. We appreciate you. And to everybody on the, on the YouTubes, uh, just to keep an eye on the playlist that's going to show up and that playlist is uh, meant to be an inspiration to you to continue your journey of learning. This is so important. There's always something new to learn as, as our late mentor often said. There's no such thing as having arrived in knowledge. So continue your journey of learning. We hope that uh, you got a ton of value out of today. Tim is truly one of a kind and uh, we appreciate him so much and uh, loved having him on the show. So make the rest of your week great. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch up with you all on the next episode. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Without Basery podcast, where your wealth
0: matters. Be sure to check out our social media channels for more great content. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player and be sure to rate the show. We definitely appreciate it. And don't forget to share this episode with someone you care about. Join us on the next episode where we continue to uncover the financial tools, strategies, and the mindsets that maximize your wealth.